letter eighteen of letters of john keats to his family and friends edited by sidney colvin this librivox recording is in the public domain to benjamin bailey hampstead wednesday october eighth eighteen seventeen my dear bailey after a tolerable journey i went from coach to coach as far as hampstead where i found my brothers the next morning finding myself tolerably well i went to lamb's conduit street and delivered your parcel jane and marianne were greatly improved marianne especially she has no unhealthy plumpness in the face but she comes me healthy and angular to the chin i did not see john i was extremely sorry to hear that poor rice after having had capital health during his tour was very ill i dare say you have heard from them from number nineteen i went to hunt's and hayden's who live now neighbours shelley was there i know nothing about anything in this part of the world everybody seems at loggerheads there's hunt infatuated there's hayden's picture and statue quo there's hunt walks up and down his painting-room criticizing every head most unmercifully there's horace smith tired of hunt the web of our life is of mingled yarn hayden having removed entirely from marlborough street Cripps must direct his letter to Lisson Grove, North Paddington. Yesterday morning, while I was at Brown's, in came Reynolds. He was pretty bobbish. We had a pleasant day. He would walk home at night, that cursed cold distance. Mrs. Bentley's children are making a horrid row, whereby I regret I cannot be transported to your room to write to you. I am quite disgusted with literary men and will never know another except Wordsworth no not even byron here is an instance of the friendship of such hayden and hunt have known each other many years now they live poor alcee dear jealous neighbours hayden says to me keats don't show your lines to hunt on any account or he will have done half for you so it appears hunt wishes it to be thought when he met reynolds in the theatre john told him that i was getting on to the completion of four thousand lines ah says hunt had it not been for me they would have been seven thousand if he will say this to reynolds what would he to other people hayden received a letter a little while back on this subject from some lady which contains a caution to me through him on the subject now is not all this a most paltry thing to think about you may see the whole of the case by the following extract from a letter i wrote to george in the spring as to what you say about my being a poet I can return no answer but by saying the high idea I have of poetical fame makes me think I see a towering too high above me. At any rate, I have no right to talk until Endymion is finished. It will be a test, a trial of my powers of imagination, and chiefly of my invention, which is a rare thing indeed, by which I must make four thousand lines of one bare circumstance and fill them with poetry and when I consider that this is a great task, and that when done it will take me but a dozen paces toward the temple of fame, it makes me say, God forbid that I should be without such a task. I have heard Hunt say, and I may be asked, why endeavor after a long poem? To which I should answer, do not the lovers of poetry like to have a little region to wander in, where they may pick and choose and in which the images are so numerous that many are forgotten and found new in a second reading which may be food for a week's stroll in the summer 
Do they not like this better than what they can read through before Mrs. Williams comes downstairs? A morning work at most. Besides, a long poem is a test of invention, which I take to be the polar star of poetry, as fancy is the sails, and imagination the rudder. Did our great poets ever write short pieces? I mean in the shape of tales. The same invention seems indeed of late years to have been forgotten as a poetical excellence. But enough of this. I put on no laurels till I shall have finished Endymion, and I hope Apollo is not angered at my having made a mockery at him at Hunt's. You see, Bailey, how independent my writing has been. Hunt's dissuasion was of no avail. I refused to visit Shelley that I might have my own unfettered scope. And after all, I shall have the reputation of Hunt's élève. His corrections and amputations will by the knowing ones be traced in the poem. This is, to be sure, the vexation of a day. Nor would I say so many words about it to any but those whom I know to have my welfare and reputation at heart. Hayden promised to give directions for those castes, and you may expect to see them soon with as many letters. You will soon hear the dinning of bells. Never mind. You and Glyg will defy the foul fiend. But do not sacrifice your health to books. Do take it kindly and not so voraciously. I am certain, if you are your own physician, your stomach will resume its proper strength, and then what great benefits will follow. My sister wrote a letter to me, which I think must be at the post office. Axe will to see. My brother's kindest remembrances to you. We are going to dine at Brown's, where I have some hope of meeting Reynolds. The little mercury I have taken has corrected the poison and improved my health, though I feel from my employment that I shall never be again secure in robustness. Would that you were as well as your sincere friend and brother, John Keats. End of letter 18